We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Binks, we welcome in former American soccer player Benny Failhaber, who is now trying his hand with media with the BSI podcast. We discuss what it's like to retire right before coronavirus stopped everything and how he would feel if he was still playing, potentially resuming the season without a vaccine. We also talk about his best moments on the pitch, which player he had beef with, and why Jurgen Klinsmann just isn't that good at his job. Hey guys, welcome on into Drinks with Binks, working from home edition, wasted from home if that is your poison. We have been doing this from home for about two months now. We all know that there's a lot going on in the world. We're staying home to stay safe. And we wanna make sure that everyone knows that we're doing this for a greater cause. So in this time, we wanna make sure also to bring you some fun content, to interview some awesome people around the world within sports and beyond. And I am so excited now to welcome in former American professional soccer player, now current podcast host, Benny Failhaber. Benny, it's been a long time since I last saw you. Our worlds have changed quite a bit since then. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Julie. I remember um, you interviewing me a few times by uh, by the touchline. So, a uh, long time since, but uh, we've we've both we both you know started doing different things now, and uh, excited to be on the show with you. Yeah, and ironically, what we're both doing now sort of luckily can still be going on while we're all quarantining and trying to stay safe. And I was just trying to think back. The last time I saw you was when you were called up to the U.S. men's national team for World Cup qualifier against Panama. I believe I interviewed you before that game because you were pretty shocked to be called up at that point after it had been sort of a long layoff. We're going to get into that later on in the program. I won't just like jump right into some of that, the good old days, but we are now drinking on the show. And what do you have for us here today? What is your your poison that you picked? Well, I got a non-alcoholic drink, but it's a Brazilian iced tea. It's called Machi Leon. And it's um, a very sweet tea, acquired taste. My wife says it tastes like honey. Um, my kids like it though. So I'll let them take a couple sips at dinner sometimes when I make it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's really big in Brazil. And that's um, my drink today. Okay, awesome. Well, I was looking for some Summersby hard uh, <laughs> cider for you and yeah. learned that because you are in Overland Park, Kansas City. Yes. 
and right. they don't deliver booze there, which is wild. I'm, I apologize. My thoughts yeah, and prayers I, to everyone involved. You would, you would think that I would know that, but um, <laughs> since I'm not a big drinker and I don't get really alcohol delivered to me, I wouldn't know which states allow that or not. So I guess Kansas does not. I wouldn't have known what the alcohol delivery is really unless I was back in Canada when I was 19 years old in college. And that was allowed, by the way. That's the legal drinking age in Canada where we would order booze to our dorm. So we're not going to get into that during this episode. But (laughs) obviously we're all ordering groceries and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, I'm glad you're not drinking. I could take, I could use a day off. I've got a little hydration liquid IV here. It's just nice. like a Brazilian iced tea tastes like honey. So <laughs> we will be hydrating and having a good time chatting. So Benny, since you retired, you know, not even a couple months ago at this point, the whole world's changed. Um, just before we get into the retirement and all that kind of stuff, what's your daily life like right now? What have, what have you been up to? How's the family doing? Just give me a, give me an update. Yeah, it's a lot of being a parent, you know, and uh, as as much as that sounds, uh, I think, natural to a lot of people or normal, I guess it's uh, anything but, you know, it's uh, the kids are all under the age of six. I have a five, a four and a one year old. Wow. Um, And both the five and the four used to go to preschool. Um, The five year old was going kindergarten at this private preschool. And so the uh, the the pain, painful part of it is that. There is no, um, you know, Zoom calls from the public teachers to, you know, keep them busy for a couple hours a day. And we are literally me and my wife having to entertain them for 24 hours, seven days a week. And so um, sometimes I look at my wife, I'm like, I'm I'm losing it. I'm losing it. And uh, am I being a really bad parent right now? I'm I'm about to like ship them off to a boarding school (laughs) if if we can somewhere in, uh, you know, wherever, maybe New Zealand. I think they they don't have it as bad as, uh, you know, most of the other countries in the world. But um, it is very tough. It is, it is hard. And, and I've, I've told people that it is very similar. Well, I'm not bipolar and I don't know a lot about bipolar people, but it is similar. I'm imagining to that because there's days that is the best day in the world and you love your kids and you want to play with them and everybody's having fun. And then there's days where they just, you know, drive you up the wall and all you want to do is just run out the front door and, and disappear forever. So, um, it's, it's a tough, uh, mental test it's either for me and one my or wife. The other. There's no real in between, right? Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. That's challenging, uh, especially for so many kids under the age and of six and the fact that you can't really go out and you're trying to explain to them. Yeah. You know, we can't really do the things that we, we normally did. And Peter Burns, who works at ESPN had a funny tweet sort of in that same vein of, Sometimes I want to ship my child off to the transfer portal and then she'll be like, daddy, hold my hands. And you're like, yeah. wow, that's a really sweet moment. So exactly. um, I can only imagine you probably now know what it's like to feel like Peter Vermees, right? Having to babysit a number of. I, I envy Peter Vermees at this point. Trust me. <laughs> what I'm doing is, is more difficult than, uh, you know, coaching a soccer team. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's like you said, it's a lot of highs and lows, uh, but it's obviously rewarding and we and we're trying to do the best that we can for our kids. So um, it, it's fun spending time with them. But at the same time, you're, you're really anxious for school to start back up to get them back into the real world with other kids and teachers that know how to do this much better than I do. Yes. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be trying to shape a, a life and teaching them like math and things that uh, that would be wrong for me to do. But before we go to break, let's, uh, let's cheers. We got our Brazilian iced tea and we got our liquid IV. What are we, what are we toasting to today, Benny? Um, the end of quarantine. 
Yeah, it's the <laughs> imminent end, the elusive imminent end of quarantine, whatever that may be. Yes. Uh, all right, bottoms up. Mm. Um, and and I I've been I found it interesting to to know that you settled in Kansas City because you've lived all over the world. I mean, you have such a, an interesting resume of places you've lived, places you've played, and to find yourself. I know you spent many years with Sporting KC, but to find yourself sort of like settled in Kansas City, what is it about Kansas City that really has been home for you? Um, yeah, well, off the field, I've loved my life here. You know, it's a, I'm a, I'm a homebody, you know, I don't like, you know, the limelight and cities and all these kind of things that you can do in big cities. Um, and, and so the, my life here was, was simple. Obviously money goes a much further way here than it does on the coasts, especially in California. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, a great five plus years now, uh, in Kansas city. And so, um, you know, after I retired as much as I was kind of waiting to see what would happen before, you know, quarantine, uh, uh, you know, started occurring, uh, in terms of what I would find to do as a job after retiring from playing, um, we knew that this was the place where we were going to settle until something else happened. So, um, that this is where we are right now. I, th I think we're pretty, uh, you know, thankful that we're in Kansas city during this, uh, pandemic because because it, there's more space here. There's fewer people. There's, um, you know, less of a worry than in some other places. Yeah, I think I'm in literally the exact opposite of where you are now in Manhattan. Yes. And we're saying there I could be in any room. I'm in a studio apartment in Manhattan spending. I can't even say it's so ridiculous. <laughs> any room in the entire world at this point because you can't go outside. But we got to go to break. We have a whole lot more to come with Benny Philhaber on Drinks with Banks. Guys, stay tuned. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, somebody's going to get punched in the nose by Alec Baldwin. The left and the right pile on his wife, Hilaria, for alleged cultural appropriation. And what our reaction to the death of Gilligan's Island's Mary Ann says about us. Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks, and we are joined today by former American professional soccer player, played all over the world and for the U.S. men's national team, now podcast host. We got Benny Philhaber in the house. We are sipping on some Brazilian iced tea. We're getting hydrated at this moment. And Benny, you would be getting hydrated a lot if you were playing. You decided to retire to hang them up a couple months ago. What was sort of the defining moment where you realized okay, this is it, I think I'm done, or were there a series of moments that led to that point? Uh, there, there was a series of moments, but yeah, there was definitely, you know, a point in time where I, where I thought, you know, this is, this is probably it. And it was, but it wasn't, you know, um, it was, it was definitely developing over time. So at the end of last season, I thought in my head, uh, well, let me go back a little bit further. At the beginning of last season, I thought this could be my last year. Um, and during the year, the year didn't go well, didn't, didn't do well in Colorado, um, moved to Kansas city, uh, didn't do as well as I hoped that we would have done. And so at the end of the year, I thought, you know, I think I can play for another year. And if it's for the right team, I'd like to do that to, you know, to kind of end on a better note, you know, it was kind of a sour note where the year didn't go well. 
And so, um, you know, I, I really wanted to play for Kansas City again, if that was possible. And the other team that I would have interest is LAFC. Um, those are the two teams that I, I would have definitely gone to for a pay cut and, and played there for one more season and kind of, you know, been a, whether it's a depth player off the bench, whatever. Um, I wanted to do that to play for one more year. Uh, in terms of other places, there were a couple other places that I might have thought of, but if if some team showed interest that I didn't really want to go to, it would have eventually been a financial decision, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, towards February, I, I, I saw that there was maybe, you know, one team, two teams here interested, not really that I wanted to go to. And I saw that the money wasn't going to be where I needed to be. So I thought, OK, well, I'm pretty excited about what's next. You know, I, I've, I've thought about coaching. I've thought about going into like a player personnel role within a team. I've thought about media. And so those are really the three avenues that I've thought of. And I, and I felt like I was excited about that more so than really trying to grind out another year somewhere where I didn't, you know, didn't really want to be and, and that kind of thing. And so it, it felt right. And, uh, you know, that's when I made the, my, my, my decision. You mentioned earlier, though, that you sort of hope to maybe end on some kind of high note in a way, like let it, you know, all go out and sort of, hey, boom, that's my career. Uh, right. Is there any kind of feeling of like, darn, I wish that I'd had that? Um, not really. I, I don't like look back and say, I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, you would have wanted to like, you, you would have wanted to win, you know, a championship as your last year. And there's a few people that are able to say that they, that, that they did that, but it's, it's rare. And so, um, yeah, I don't look back and, and regret it in any way. Uh, I think maybe I would have a little bit more had LAFC won last year after I left. Um, but uh, since they didn't, it, there wasn't, you know, nothing to really regret as much. Um, but uh, in terms of me personally, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one of those where I, I really felt like uh, it was just disastrous to have, you know, a, a down year on my last year. I still, you know, look back so fondly at my time at LAFC, at Sporting Kansas City and a lot of the other clubs that I played for. And so, um, yeah, really, really happy with what I did and more even, you know, more looking forward to and happier about what the the future brings. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of that future right now, um, I'm going to get into that in one second, but the fact is you retired and then, I mean, we're weeks into MLS season and everything was postponed. What's it like watching that now as a retired player, just seeing the whole world change and the fact that if you had played another season, who knows if you would have ever even stepped on the pitch. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I, I look at it in two different, you know, lenses. One is as a fan, I want to watch games. I want to have, you know, something to look forward to on the weekend. You know, thankfully this, this weekend we have Bundesliga coming back. So that'll be something that a lot of people will be watching, but I mean, we want to see the American sports back MLS, NBA, baseball, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a big football fan too. So hopefully the season doesn't, um, you know, get canceled or delayed once football uh, season comes around, but we want to see those, those back. And, and that's just, disappointing but we understand you know that there's something bigger that we have to focus on right now and then the other lens that I look at is you know I was very excited about my future and right now everything's on pause you know you you're not gonna be able to get a job you know within the league within organizations and so that was something that I always thought of you know I see a lot of guys that retire without really knowing what they want to do and I was really excited about that next prospect um, and I knew what I wanted to do, but now it's like, you, you got to wait it out anyways, you know? And so it's disappointing to, you know, not have that start right away. But, um, like I said, it's something that we all have to deal with during this time. Right. And, and you had said a couple different things you wanted to do, but right there, you said you knew what you wanted to do. What is it that, that you, that you wanted to do once you hung them up? 
Well, the first thing that I wanted to do is get my coaching licenses. So I, uh, I actually started my B license here in Kansas city and, uh, we, and it's a lot of work. I can't, um, um, you know, I, I think I underestimated how much work it is. And so the first well, there's three weeks of, of, of the actual camp and you do a bunch of homework assignments in between the weeks. And I did the first week and the homework assignments that lead up to the second week. And, uh, the, the, the whole, um, you know, coaching, uh, course has been canceled now. And so we're trying to find out if we can maintain some of the work that we've done, if we can start, you know, on the second week, if we can keep some of our assignments because it's a lot of work. And so, um, right now we're waiting on that and, uh, that decision, but, um, that was what I had started doing. I was, um, speaking with Peter Vermees, um, with potentially staying with sporting Kansas city in some capacity, um, what that would have been, I don't know yet. It was kind of in, in, in conversation mode still. So that'll have to, you know, wait till once we get back. And, and I mean, I have other contacts, you know, obviously I, I have really good, um, relationship with Bob at LAFC. I know guys around the league and, and coaches and people and, um, you know, front office positions. So, you know, in that sense, I was starting to see what was available, but, um, you know, what I'm going to do, I don't know yet. I, I I'd like to find out what I'm good at, you know, what I, uh, what I'd enjoy. Um, there's no doubt that it'll be within soccer. I'm going to, you know, I, I love this sport more than anything. And so it's not even one of those questions where I don't know what else to do. I don't have anything else to do. It's that I really want to be in this realm. And so we'll see what happens down the, down the road. But, um, you know, I was, I was very excited as you can tell about the things that, you know, were coming up down the road. Yeah, well, that, I mean, would be very fascinating to work with potentially Peter Vermees or Bob Bradley. And you have so many different options that you can do. You mentioned coaching, but also media. And I want to get into your podcast that you have, the BSI podcast. But we have to take a quick break. We'll be back with more with Benny Philhaber on Drinks With Things. Fifteen minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope. It's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Welcome back to Drinks with Things with Benny Philhaber. We are sipping on some Brazilian iced tea here, non-alcoholic. We are feeling very good today. And Benny, you have a, a new awesome project that you're doing since retiring. The BSI podcast, the Benny, Sal, and Ike podcast. A couple of good old guys from the Kansas City days and... You guys know each other well. What's first of all, how did the idea come to fruition for you to decide to get into the the media podcast world? Well, I guess I got to throw it all the way back to when we started the Benny Failhaber show in Kansas City. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that, yes, but me I and that well. <laughs> me and Sal started that. Uh, and actually, an intern from Kansas City was the one that came up to me with the idea of an audio diary or video diary maybe. And I said, okay, well, let's change some aspects of that. And we ended up with the Benny Failhaber show. And, and that was a lot of fun. I think a lot of the, 
um, you know, fans in Kansas city enjoyed it. So me and Sal kind of had that connection. And so we talked about maybe we should start a podcast at some point. And it kind of, you know, it was a conversation that we had throughout the years. And then when I came back to Kansas city last year, I thought to Sal, Hey, maybe this is our chance. You know, we'll, we'll get some of those fans back from the Benny Felhaber show and let's do it. So we started, uh, at that point, we came up with the, um, the funny name of BS, the podcast at first. Um, but then Ike followed, uh, I think on the third, uh, he was our second guest. And then, uh, he was part of, you know, a host starting on the third episode. And so we included the, uh, the I in there for, uh, for him starting in the second season, but it's been a lot of fun. And I think we've gotten better at it. We've, uh, we've gotten some pretty cool guests to open up and had some funny yeah. stories. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I noticed. I mean, you had um, Alan Gordon, of course, and Jovan Karofsky at Rob Stone yep. from Fox, like a, a ton of big names in soccer. And so you guys knew each other well from on the pitch. Now that you're sort of doing the show in retirement for you, how has your relationship uh, evolved? Uh, well, with, with Ike, it's like I'm, I'm really good friends with Ike. So me and him pretty much text every day, um, whether it's, you know, something that we see on Twitter that's funny and we comment about it or some stories, um, you know, that's going on in MLS or whatever. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell him, you know, make sure you don't have three kids during quarantining. Um, but anyways, we talk all the time about all kinds of stuff. Me and Sal, uh, you know, we're, we went to UCLA. He, he came the year I left. So we all, and we played together one year in Kansas city. So it's almost like we've, we know each other so well, but we never have really been together for long, long periods of time. But, um, yeah, me and Sal are, 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 are really good together as well. I don't think I'm as close with Sal in terms of friendship as, as Ike, but, uh, yeah, we, same thing, you know, I'll, I'll talk to Sal last, last year when I was playing, he was a real estate agent. So I would crush him on that, um, during the podcast thinking like, what are you doing? But now he's playing and I'm retired doing nothing. So he makes fun of me on that end. So, um, we've got a really good relationship in that sense. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun doing it with those guys. Yeah. You can kind of dish the dirt on each other. Now, what kind of like broadcast influences do you think that you sort of bring into play now that you're doing this? Cause you've clearly consumed a lot of sports media and interacted with a lot of broadcasters. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I thankfully, you know, Shaw at FS1, um, he's a producer there. He's, he's kind of helped me out giving me opportunities here and there, um, to do, you know, some, some studio analyst work. And, um, I even did, uh, some, some practice color commentary, uh, with Keith Costigan, which, nice. uh, was pretty fun. Yeah. So I've, I've had, you know, just dip my toes in, in that water and, and kind of found out what it's like. And so, um, it's, it's exciting to kind of, you know, do our own show. I really don't know if I'm any good at it. Um, you know, I hear a lot of positives, but sometimes I feel like people are being nice, but it's fun, you know? And so I think, I think that's the whole thing. It's, it doesn't have to be the greatest production, but as long as we get, you know, fun guests that want to tell stories, like you said, Alan Gordon, you know, Rob Stone, um, Mike Rella, there's, there's guys that just like come on and tell really good stories. And it's like, we're just on, you know, Skype or a zoom call and just talking with the guys having a beer or whatever it is. And so, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and, um, I think that's what it's been mostly about for us. Yeah. And people love seeing that kind of personality, especially from players that they don't get to interact with and have that relationship. And you mentioned that you were in the booth for an MLS game last year. And tell me, you mentioned it to me during the commercial break, but just the realization and sort of the learning curve instantly of being in that position. 
Yeah. So I was actually not in the booth. We were actually on the field while we did it. So we were doing, it was, it was Rob Stone, myself, Mo Adu and Alexi Lalas. It was a four there. And uh, it was during the Eastern conference finals. And I just remember the first time that I had to talk. So you know how it is. Like people are in your ear telling you when you're about to go or who's going to talk next or whatever. And so that's a little bit of a process to get used to. But once I knew it was my turn to talk, I remember Rob, like, you know, threw it to me and I started and I already knew what I wanted to say, which is, for me, a terrible idea. It's like, it's better when it just comes natural. So it's like, I almost trying to memorize what I'm going to say. And I just like went for a loop talking about, I don't know what I said, like the same word six times people on TV, if they were paying attention, was probably thinking, you know, what is this guy talking about? And so, uh, and, and after that, I thought in my head, uh, you know, I got to just relax. Let me just talk soccer. You know, I know what this game is. I know what it looks like. Let me just say the things that I know and just, stop trying to find smart words and all that kind of thing. And so after that, I settled down. I think I, I sounded better, I hope, than, than the first, uh, the bit uh, that I said at first. But it was, um, yeah, it's a learning experience. And, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll remember what Rob Stone told me, that the, the biggest thing that you have to do is go listen to yourself and be a, a self-critic, and, and you'll completely, um, you know, com- continue to improve uh, from, from there on out. Well, that's good. I mean, it's, it's, you're hard on yourself when you first do it, but when you're trying to talk soccer on national TV in 20 seconds, anyone would have difficulty with that, even if you've played it your entire life. But also a reminder, it's never as, as bad as it feels. It's never also as good as it feels either, because I know yeah. sometimes you're like, man, I knocked it out of the park. You go back and watch. You're like, eh, it was okay, I guess, but that's, that's, I have a really hard time. Um, I have a really hard time going back and and looking at myself. Even just like hearing my voice, I'm like cringing. At, you know, it's like, oh god, no, what am I doing? But, yeah, um, it's, yeah. It's, it's a weird, insecure feeling. I when I I'll watch this show with my friends, my boyfriend. I'm like, ah, no, like you just don't <laughs> want to watch it. It's good. You got to right. improve. All right, guys, we'll be back with more Benny Field Hubber on Drinks with Banks. Don't go anywhere. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Hey guys, welcome back to Drinks with Binks with Benny Philhaber. You remember him from the pitch, MLS, EPL, Bundesliga, and beyond, of course, for the U.S. men's national team. Now with his own podcast, BSI Podcast. And what a perfect way to segue into what we were discussing in the break was broadcasters broadcasting and the fact that the league is potentially maybe going to come back. We're not necessarily sure, but you're not playing anymore. Number of your, you know, former teammates are all trying to figure out what's going on. If you were still playing, how would you feel about what's going on in the world? You know, the layoff um, being quarantined. I mean, I think I'd feel similar to how I feel now. You know, I think uh, it's it's kind of a feeling of um, a little bit of helplessness, but at the same time, you understand that there's bigger aspects here than sports. 
Um, and I know for sure that I would want to get back on the field. Um, you know, I, I, like I said before, I, I love the game. And, and especially if it was being my last year, if I knew it was going to be my last year this year and I was playing, I wouldn't want it to end like this. And so I, I would be very excited to try and get back on the field in some way that's that's safe and, and fair, obviously, for the players as well. Um, but yeah, it's a situation that's, it's kind of, it, it's impossible to predict. So it's, a uh, it's, it's tough to kind of, you know, maneuver your way through this right now. Mm-hmm. What kind of conversations have you had with uh, former teammates or players in the league just about like what they're going through right now? Yeah. I, I mean, I, like I said, I spoke to Ike a lot, um, you know, Sal's playing at a USL level, so he's going through it in some respect as well, similar to, to what Ike and MLS guys are going through. And, and I know they're having conversations um, with the owners, with the league, with the players association, trying to figure out what's the safest way to come back. If there is a way that's safe enough that, you know, they're, they're not going to feel they're in, in, in harm's way in any way. Um, obviously there's the money aspect, but I think that's secondary at this point with how much, you know, the economy's uh, took it, taken a hit. Uh, a lot of people, you know, are in far worse uh, situations than, you know, professional athletes. So I think that's secondary, but it's obviously going to be an issue that needs to be visited as well. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's their mindset. They, they don't really know, you know, I, I think that's, that's the main thing. Nobody really knows, What's going to happen? I think even if you ask like owners, um, they don't know exactly what states are going to open, what tests will be available. um, And so all those kind of things go into an unknown pot where you just kind of have to wait and see. Um, You can plan, but anything could change also uh, from here till June till the end of the year. So. Right. And you bring up a lot of good points there. You, You know, every player wants to be able to get back on the pitch and be able to of course, make money, but also we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before and don't want to put lives at risk just to get back and and do this thing that maybe we shouldn't be doing at this moment. Um, There was, you know, there's been reports that MLS is thinking about having all of the teams go to Orlando and in the summer and sort of play out the season in that regard. We're still figuring out, even just as people that aren't athletes, like what this means for our daily lives going forward if you were playing, like, how would you, how would you feel about the prospect of potentially starting up in, in like leaving your home for three to four months and starting up soon? Yeah. I think in terms of playing the game, I would be excited about it. Um, in terms of leaving my family for, I don't know if it's going to be three to four months. I, I heard it was, you know, maybe like a two, three month process where it's like two months of playing and maybe, you know, a month or a little bit less of like a preseason, but regardless, a long time away from your family. And as much as I can say right now, that would be a little bit like a vacation right now for me. Um, that's, you know, a week or two weeks down the road, you're, you're itching to get back. And so it's, it's tough, but I do think that if there's a way to do it safely for me personally, if there's a way to do it safely and you're away from your family for two, three months, and you know that your family is going to be all right as well with their activities without your help, then in, in, to me, it's like, it's your job, you know, you go there and you do it. And, and so it, is it perfect? No, but these are situations that are unprecedented. And so for me, I would be willing to do that if, like I said, it was under the right circumstances. Right. Now, a number of jobs and, and industries are still figuring out when it's safe for them to open up. Seeing some of the reaction of EPL players or players around Europe, for instance, Danny Rose being, you know, kind of pretty like emotional about the fact that why are we 
as soccer players having to be sort of the the ones to put ourselves at risk to be the moral to, to help support the national morale of the country what do you think about sort of like athletes being almost like the guinea pigs of like, let's see how this works. Like we want to open this up because we want to give something to fans and we want to ge generate revenue, but these players could easily contract the virus and get sick and their families could get sick at the same time too. Yeah. That, I mean, that's why I think that uh, first of all, there, there shouldn't be anybody that, that are guinea pigs, you know, at this point um, I, I think that the the most important thing is is to try and make and, and not try make sure that it's as safe as possible so like that's why i'm saying for me i would love to get back out and play if i know that they're the right things in place in terms of me being tested other players being tested um you know a, a good scheme as to keeping us away from people that aren't being tested. Cause I know if they're going to Orlando, they're going to have to stay in hotels and the people that you encounter in hotels, are they, you know, either being tested or staying far away enough? Are there, you know, ways to maintain that security for, for those players? If there is, if there's a legit way to, you know, keep people safe, then I think it's fine. But in terms of using, you know, athletes as guinea pigs. No, that's obviously not a, a good way to go about it. We're not going to just throw people into the public um, and, and see if they get sick or if they don't get sick. And then we decide, you know, whether everybody else wants to come out as well. So, um, you know, that's probably not the right way to do it. Yeah, I'm curious how the reporting of, you know, anyone uh, infected with the virus would go because in soccer, we sometimes know clubs and teams don't necessarily disclose when uh, a head injury happens or a substitution in that regard. Um, I'd be I'd be shocked if some clubs didn't want their star striker to be out for a match if they were potentially around someone who'd been who had COVID. You know, there's all these other different yeah. sort of thing layers in that regard. Um, how do you feel about the idea of let's take this to Europe right now, a number of clubs on the bubble of relegation should relegation exist in this climate when there's so many things that are out, out of these clubs control, especially if matches are played at neutral sites. Yeah. I, I think that has to stay, you know, um, you can't, first of all, you, you always have to see the flip side as well. Right. So there's teams in the second division that are promoting, that have had good years and deserve to promote. And in, in Europe, almost every league, you've played the vast majority of the season. And so if you're a team like, uh, I don't even know where Aston Villa sits, but I know they were one of the teams saying that, mm -hmm. you know, this shouldn't count or whatever. Imagine Liverpool on the up opposite end. There's nine right. games left. They're 25 points ahead. So they literally would have to lose every game and whoever's in second place have to win every game so they don't get crowned the champions. So um, I, I think that they're going to eventually play the games and um, whether it be in a neutral site or not, people are going to have to deal with, you know, with, with what's going on because it's not fair. It's, it'd be more unfair to, to nix the entire season at this point than to play out the rest of the season in, uh, you know, an uncomfortable circumstance. Right. Okay. Well, very interesting things, Benny. Uh, perfect media guy right now. Got some great opinions on some big <laughs> topics around the world. We've got a whole lot more to come with Benny Failharbor, guys. Don't go anywhere on Drinks With Things. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. 
Some things never change. Like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. We're sipping on a little Brazilian iced tea with the one and only Benny Failhaber, former American professional soccer player, played for the U.S. men's national team, now doing some media and figuring out they might get back into some coaching when all is said and done. And we want to talk about your career has been all over the world. You, you know, you played in so many different countries. You've uh, played for so many different teams. If you could go back to one moment in time, and be able to relive it, what would it be? I think I'd have to go back and relive um, the Gold Cup 2007. In terms of, in terms of soccer, that's like the peak of my career. Um, if you if you want to, you know, put it to one specific moment, uh, scoring that goal in the finals against Mexico, uh, you know, a goal that's a, a difficult goal to score, yeah, and uh, in a stadium that was completely sold out, probably 90 percent plus uh, Mexican fans. And being able to score that goal and 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 help us win a, a, a trophy, I think that was that was the most special moment for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I'm sure that gives you shivers even just thinking back to something like that. Did you? Do you? I mean, not you, but like if you play for the U.S., like do you hate Mexico? Is it like it's just? Is it sort of passed down? It's like in your blood. Um. I mean, you have good rivalries with them. I think it's the same thing like with Kansas City and Salt Lake or LAFC and Galaxy. I, I wouldn't say that I hate anybody. Um, I, I'm definitely not. You know, I, I love a good rivalry because it, it brings me up. It, it makes me excited for the game. I think the more motivated I get, the better I play. And so that's always a positive for me. But I, I don't think I'd ever uh, say that I hate any of the you know players on an opposing rival team. Uh, that what you said there kind of reminds me of the Michael Jordan sort of like, you know, really having those rivalries we've seen with the last yeah. dance. What would be who is someone that you played against in MLS that would get you up like that? That you're like, oh, man, I got to shut this guy down or like I want to almost go go above and beyond and make sure this guy has an awful game. Um, well, I would say that my biggest rival in, in MLS was Salt Lake in general. So, you know, everybody wants to say me and Kyle Beckerman, which we've had some feuds on and off the field. And so, um, you know, he's a guy that was always fun to go up against. Um, but more of like, a a, a guy that I, I really liked playing against, uh, that I consider a pretty close friend is Dax. Um, he's, he's always a guy that usually got the best of me. Like he always seemed to know you know, where I was going to dribble, where I wanted to pass. He'd put his body in the right position in place. And so uh, I, I remember thinking every time I played against him, like I, I want to make sure that I do better than I did last time. And um, it was tough. Dax, Dax was a, a really tough competitor and a good guy to go up against. Mm -hmm. Also another underrated player that I believe was passed over by a one Jurgen Klinsmann. Now yeah, you did mention, a lot of people over there. Yeah, yeah, he did. He <laughs> did. Right. Uh, you'd, you'd question his coaching techniques. I'm sure if one was in that moment, um, but just tracking back to one quick thing, you said Kyle Beckerman, he, you know, you guys had, you know, this rivalry on and off the pitch. What was it like off? 
So the the one thing that we had off the field, well, I guess it was on the field, but again, I, I don't tell this story unless I'm with Kyle because it's not fair for it to be one-sided, but we had some beef one time on the national team in a January camp. And, um, you know, I, 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 he did something that, you know, I don't think a teammate should ever do. And so if you want to bring me and him on the show, we could both tell her. Can you give me the realm of which it is? We all, you know, we're, we were playing against each other in an inner squad game. And so something happened where, you know, a a teammate shouldn't do that to another teammate in my opinion, but I'm sure. That's up. No, no studs up, but um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best tackle, but uh, he'd have to come on the show. And like, I I won't even tell this on the, on BSI, the podcast, because it's not fair to have a one-sided story. And, and so if, if he ever comes on this show or any show with me, we can both tell that story. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm good to squash it at this point, but it was something that definitely, you know, uh, stayed with me throughout my playing career. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, very political and noble of you not to, tell us all the details of this seemingly very, very good story about you and Kyle Beckerman, which I'm very excited to find out at the end of this. But um, moving on just quickly, because I want to get through a couple of these interesting ones. Um, who, what's the best prank, MLS prank, that you ever saw, or like soccer, like a good, good old-fashioned shenanigans? Uh, best prank I saw was when we were in Sporty Kansas City and they told um, Tim Melia along with, God, I can't remember who the other one was, but it was a rookie that they were uh, like having a tryout for Dancing with the Stars. And I think one guy was in on it. I think it was Connor Hallis. He was in on it. So he was also partaking, but he knew that it was a joke. And these guys were like doing this, like the most ridiculous dance moves. And, and they like filmed it and all this stuff. And they were selling them like, good, you're, I think you might make it or whatever. And, and so they finally came up with the whole video clip. And then at one point, they put it for the whole team to watch. And Tim Melia and co realized then that it was all a joke. Wow. That is, that's a, that's like doing the extra work for the prank. I love that everyone went above and beyond. So how was Tim as a dancer? I think he's terrible. I, I don't remember very much, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Tim's a terrible dancer that I would guess that he's terrible with how, you know, stiff and he's like the Hulk. And so, um, he can't possibly be a good dancer, but you know, you know, that, uh, the, the pranks were always very well articulated because Rob Thompson, if you know, Robo, he's, uh, he loves, you know, doing it the right way. And, um, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy for a prank. Yes. Rob Thompson, communications expert extraordinaire for sporting Kansas city. Uh, There's no one he doesn't know <laughs> many times while I tried to be very annoying on the sideline. Also, I always found sport in Kansas city to be, to go above and beyond. And I remember you, I don't know if you were there this year. I don't think maybe you were not, but uh, I was presented with a cake on my birthday by Ike Opara actually was holding it in training, which was really sort of a weird moment, but also an amazing moment that I'll never forget, but lots of great memories on the pitch. We got to take a time out, but we'll be back with more Benny Philhaber on drinks and things. Thank you. 
GEICO knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that GEICO always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. GEICO Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey guys, welcome back to Drinks with Thinks with former American professional soccer player Benny Failhaber, current media mogul in the making. And we have been having a lot of fun on Drinks with Thinks. And I got to ask you about your time with the U.S. men's national team. First and foremost, we've seen uh, a real difficult time for the U.S., for the men, and not qualifying for the last World Cup. What's the problem? Now that you've been on the inside, you're on the outside, how do you fix it? Yeah, well, I think um, the, the present term problem is that we, we don't have too many guys. Well, first, we're not playing any games, you know, so it's it's hard to, um, you know, improve. Uh, second, I think there was a long time there where we didn't have a coach. Uh, well, we had we had Dave Sarakin as a coach, but it was an interim coach. Nobody knew right. exactly what would happen. And during that whole time, and I think still now, there's a lot of there's been a shift because we missed a World Cup where we're trying to, you know, keep those young players give them as much experience as possible. And I think that could prove, you know, beneficial down the road, but at the same time, there's not those veteran guys that have been there and done it and been successful to kind of help the guys, you know, improve and, and, and become, you know, who can, who, who they can become. And so um, I remember when I first came in uh, there was maybe, you know, a handful max of, of guys my age trying to break into the national team. And there was like 15, 20 guys that were the Landons, the Beasleys, um, uh, Brian Ching, uh, Boca Negra, um, you know, Gooch. You can go on and on and on with with guys that were solidified on the national team and could help you become part of that team, you know, and, and become the best version of yourself. And right now we don't have that. Hopefully, you know, the the fact that we're getting that experience will outweigh that in the future. But I think that's one of the, the difficulties right now with the team. Right, yeah, and then you you almost miss a generation of players then that could potentially be coming up that that didn't see the the U.S. in the World Cup at that point. Um, there was a there's one person at the helm of the U.S. not making the last World Cup, and that was Jurgen Klinsmann, manager who was fired midway through qualifying, and someone that you had somewhat of a tumultuous relationship with because he never called you in for three years, and then you were you came back in 2017. Um, he was at Hertha Berlin and then is not there anymore. Do you feel vindicated in some of the things that criticisms you've had publicly about him now that really the rest of the world has sort of seen that too? Um, vindicated? No, because I would much rather have been part of that group. Um, in, in terms of things that I say, I, I'll never say something because I don't like what someone's doing. I'll say it because I believe it. And I've, I've never thought, I mean, I was with Jurgen for, you know, three January camps and I, I, I was there firsthand and was able to see that tactically he was not a good coach. He doesn't, he doesn't see the game well. He doesn't get people organized the right way. He doesn't allow the players to really 
um, you know, w- know what their responsibilities are. And at the national team level, that's almost, you know, multiplied the importance of it because you're only with guys for a limited amount of time. So it's not like, you know, a Michael Bradley and a Christian Pulisic or whoever that play together in the midfield or as two center backs, they don't play together every day, you know, as, as they do in the club level. So it's very important to get guys, um, uh, in knowing what the responsibilities are, uh, and, and being able to get them, uh, in, in a, I guess in a, in a, in a smart formation where everybody knows the responsibilities. And so I think that was one thing that he lacked. Um, he was always a guy that was very good at motivationally getting people going. Um, but I think at some point that's, that's not enough, you know? And so, um, you know, for me, I don't think he one called all the right guys up and, and two, he didn't set up all the guys to succeed at, at various times during his tenure. What would we as fans or broadcasters not understand or not know about Jurgen having not been at inside the locker rooms with him? Well, in, in my short time with him, his main tactical conversation would be to go out there and beat, uh, you know, your individual battles, which is not a tactical, you know, approach that that's, that's more of a mental approach, if anything. Um, so, you know, go, his, his talks would be go out, have fun, win your individual battles, and and that'll lead to success, which to me is, is, I mean, yeah, you can say that, but you, you need to give some kind of base. Uh, so people kind of know, you know, what they really need to do as opposed to just like, you know, rah, rah kind of thing that I think only goes so far. So, um, that's something that obviously people that were on the outside, you know, didn't get to see, um, sometimes incredibly the players, you know, make it work and sometimes it doesn't, but, uh, eventually after some, you know, after time it, it reveals itself more and more. And so I think that was, you know, something that kind of revealed itself with Jurgen. Now we're running out of time here, but I have to ask you this. You were part of the U S men's national team. The U S women just lost their equal pay fight with U S soccer they will likely appeal it. What's that like from your vantage point? Um, so I'm, I'm a very uh, math kind of guy. And so I think that it, it depends on the numbers. And honestly, I've read so many different kinds of numbers that I don't even know what to believe in. Um, but I think, I think, I think it's tough because you can say like, you know, the, the women accepted a CBA deal that, you know, now they want the other deal, but at the same time where they pushed and kind of into a corner where there's some things that you can't give up as, as, as a mother of children that you need, um, you know, you know, that health insurance, you need, uh, the, the maternal leave. And there's so many things that like, as, as male athletes, a lot of times we don't have to think about. And so they have to, you know, put importance on that. And so, you know, that that's such a tough one for me. I, I hope that they can find something that is beneficial for for them and obviously for U.S. soccer so they can they get, get back to playing and not and hopefully not have some kind of strike. Um, sure. But yeah, it's a tough one to I, I just don't feel like I have enough information to really say, um, you know, I, I, my guess is both sides need to kind of find a little bit of a compromise. No one is going to get everything they want. But uh, at the same time, I, I hope that they do find that so that we can, you know, watch them play because they're, you know, the best, the best uh, women soccer players in the world, uh, the best, the best team in the world, really, um, over the course of the last like 10 years or so. So uh, hopefully they can, you know, find some kind of compromise there. Yes, definitely. Um very interesting perspective from someone who's obviously worked with U.S. soccer. Okay, guys, we got to go. I'm being yelled at by my producers. We'll come back after this on Drinks and Things. 
what's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it. Hey everyone, Montel here. I need to check out my brand new podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel, who will be having kind of conversations about cannabis, wellness, and everyday social issues impacting your everyday life. It's all about empowering you and giving you the information you need to make it through your daily life. There won't be any BS, there won't be any hidden agendas, just honest, interesting conversations. So make sure you tune in to the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. It's all about a blunt conversation, and that's what we intend to have every day. Like what you're hearing? Check out Drinks with Binks on Fubo Sports Network every Friday night at 8 p.m. Stream it on the Fubo TV app, Roku, Samsung TV, and more. Oh, and don't forget, it's BYOB. Sorry, startup life. Well, guys, we've had an awesome time on Drinks with Thanks with former American professional soccer player, Benny Failhaber, and we've been getting all the good, dirty deets on everyone in soccer. So this has been great. Betty, you got a podcast, BSI podcast. When is that dropping next? What can we expect? I actually think we're dropping our next episode tomorrow morning, and we had an interview with Luis Robles. It was actually a really good one. If you're a Red Bull fan, you'll really want to tune into this one. There were some good bits there. Um, but, yeah, we, we usually drop it on Thursday morning, so check into that. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So BSI, the podcast, thanks. Awesome. So, yes, that podcast will be out when this show airs on Friday night. Luis Robles, as always, I find a very inspirational, powerful speaker. So I'm sure that that's nothing but interesting. And one quick message to MLS fans out there who are anxiously awaiting to see their clubs come back. So message to myself, really, but uh, hang in there. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, this will blow by and, and, and hopefully we'll all be better for it. But um, I, I'm, I'm anxiously waiting the sports to come back and uh, we'll stick together until then. And I'm done with awesome. my drink, so. Yes, well, it looks like you've done a great job on drinks, so thanks. Thank you so much for coming on here. That was Benny Failhaber. Make sure you guys also follow us on at Fubo Sports on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can listen to this as a podcast on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as see the full episode on YouTube after this airs on Fubo Sports. Guys, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week, still in quarantine, I'm sure. Bottoms up. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.